Hey everyone, I'm Rob Lee, and this is Beloved Journal. Each week, I sit down with one of my friends as we discuss what it means to love and be loved. I'm not talking about romantic love, but the kind of love that leads us to empathy, compassion, and grace. Things our world desperately needs right now. Hey everybody, this is Rob Lee, host of Beloved Journal. Today on the show, we have Don Lemon, who is anchor of CNN Tonight. Uh, He has written a newly released book titled, This is the Fire, What I Say to My Friends About Racism. This is a compelling book. I literally could not put it down. Uh, It is uh, something that I really recommend you checking out and ordering as soon as possible. Uh, In the meantime, let's listen into our interview where I talk to Don about the need to confront racism in our country and how we all can play a part. Don Lemon, thank you so much uh, for coming on Beloved Journal. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to have you on my show, and it's great to be able to return the favor um, because, because I love having our, com- our very frank and candid conversations that we have about uh, race and racism in America. Well, it, it does feel a little different to, be, to have you in the hot seat instead of me, uh, but I am curious. You know, I, I've been reading your book. Honestly, I haven't put it down. It's been amazing. Um, And your book opens up with this powerful letter to your nephew about embracing blackness. And and then later in the book, the the part that really struck me was your conversation with your mom when you're in Ghana uh, on the slave coast. And you're talking about the kids um, in in the river playing and never even thinking about the fact that they were naked and just having fun. Um, And that hit me because I'm, I'm a white dude. Uh, with, a, with a storied history in this country, too. And, and I've never had the, that same feeling that you've had. And, and I really want to start there. Is the American experiment that we've all been a part of so far worth saving if we can't offer the simple dignities of playing in a river and not worry about the color of your skin uh, to all Americans? I'm good. That was, it's so smart of you to pick that out because that was one of the most profound things that when I went to trace my roots uh, in Africa and to figure out where my ancestors come from and to and somewhat do the journey is that when we saw these uh, kids playing in the water, you know, just off the, in the shore of the water and they were, they were just so carefree, they were uninhibited. And I wondered if I would be that carefree and inhibited and what it was like to be that carefree and, excuse me, uninhibited. Um, and I, I wondered if America had changed me somehow, if I, um, if I was more self-conscious than, than those children, and if they were living with a degree of happiness and freedom that I did not share, even though I thought that I, even though I had um, many more luxuries th- than they did, would I trade that just for their freedom? Do I wonder sometimes if um, we are, uh, we have, we, that we put our priorities in the wrong place in this country. And I hesitate to say, you know, to sort of, uh, to say shackles and that sort of thing, because it, it, it is, it's too close to slavery. But I wonder sometimes if we're just enslaved by ideas and, um, and by possessions, and rather than just being a free people who do the right thing for our heart and our minds and our souls. One of the things I wonder about, Don, is that, you know, my mom and I will, we'll watch your show every night. And she'll text me if you're on something that's really important and I need to make sure I'm watching. Uh, and one of the things that we're always talking about as white Americans is seeing your, uh, you know, when you're on CNN and in this book, there is a sense of not only um, belief in the American dream, but also frustration that we're not there yet. 
I, I wonder if you feel somewhat right now like a caricature almost of just playing this out in the in the in the in, in the public life because there is something to be said about you being on TV every night. People watch you every night, and they may see or try to understand where you're coming from, but really have no idea. So I'm wondering how does that play out in your own life? You know, you you, you see people and they say, "Oh, that really resonated with me," and you, I'm sure you want to say, "Did it really?" Like you know, I, what is your frustration in, in both being on TV, but also being being in the game as well. I, wow, Rob, it sounds like um, it sounds like you wrote the New York Times review for me because I just finished reading before my last interview the New York Times review, and it's the same. The it's they they point out a very similar um, aspect of the book and my presence on television is that I'm almost in, in some days or some nights and in the book begging white America to come along this journey with me and to believe me and let me take you on this journey so that you can understand so that we can fix the problem. So when people, when you say, you know, your mom calls you to tell you to tune in because Don is on something that's really important, that means the world to me because it means that somehow I am able to crack, you know, that um, uh, to, to break the, you know, the, the, at least the, the, how do I say this? The, the sort of wall or perception that we all have built around us, where we just sort of live and we don't really think about things, where we don't lean into things, where we don't feel things in a way that we should really, and it's about empathy. So that I'm and, and somehow in a way able to pull you into an empathetic position where you can understand um, someone else's plight in America. And that means the world to me because that is my goal, especially when dealing with these issues. And guess what? I hope that one day that I don't have to deal with these issues on television or even write a book about them, that I'm, that I'm focusing on something else because we've dealt with this issue of racism um, in a substantial way in this country, but so far we haven't. And so that's why I talk, I touch, not only touch on these topics, but I delve into them uh, in, in, a, in a deep way as often as I can, because that's where we're living right now. So, so, but on that note, there's also something that I, I think a lot of white folks struggle with, right? Like you, you, you said it well in, in, in the book, you said that, that, uh, you know, you, you don't want to, we have to, white people have to be willing to be schooled uh, without asking black people to school us. Mm -hmm. so, so, so there's a balance there, right? Like, I mean, I don't want you to become the, this black savior, right? Uh, all the white people watch you and we feel our white guilt and we get better, right? Like- Well, but it's not about asking. No, no, it's not, uh, no. So I think I understand where you're going with this, but no, no, it's okay to ask, but you can't just rely upon black people just to school you. That can't be the sum of your experience. And uh, you, you've got to do the work. So you can, it's okay to ask, it's okay not to understand, it's okay to be curious, it's okay to listen, but you have to, in your own life, do the work. You've got to establish relationships. You've got to figure out within yourself where your racial blind spots might be and how you can better yourself. Not just, not, and not just better yourself, but make it a better place for your countrymen, right? So, yeah. Well, well, and, and you know, I think what what also you do 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 well, uh, you know, and again, I can't recommend this book enough. But this is the fire. It, it, it just it, there is something about you that is both news anchor and journalist and inquisitor, but also theologian as well. Uh, you know, and that's kind of the world I dabble in and work in. And you talk about this, and I actually this is so funny. Someone at a church that I was raised at, I went to, grew up at. 
uh, was baptized in. My parents still go there. There is a guy who was who attends that church, and and he uh, posted on Facebook this scathing review of, of what you were saying about Jesus being white, mm-hmm. and how that can't matter in our time and place. And you know, Jesus is beyond color. And, and while I have profound disagreements with that, I do want to 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 beg the question: Why does it matter what color Jesus was? Um, okay, so here's the thing: It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Here's what it is. And I, I was looking for the quote that James Baldwin says about um, if God uh, cannot make us for a freer and more open and uh, I'm paraphrasing here, a better person and better people, then perhaps it's, it's time we got rid of him. Because people use God in a way that is restrictive and in a way that is controlling and in a way to set their own agenda. That's how, that's how many people in this country, if not most, use the concept uh, of God. The reason that I, I, it, it, in, in, in the overall scheme of things, it doesn't matter what color God or Jesus is. But if you look at the de- popular depiction, and I think you understand this, of Jesus in the Western world, and especially in America, Jesus is like at this hippie, or he looks like a surfer. And, you know, I, it, it, Jesus was from Bethlehem. <laughs> and I don't know, Bethlehem is not Sweden and it's not Norway. And so I don't know anyone there who looks like that. Jesus was a Jew from the Middle East, which was more than likely a brown, a darker brown or black to, to brown person. He didn't look like the popular sort of Americanized depiction of what people, of what, you know, many Christians think he should look like or they want him to look like. And people, the reason I said that is because people, especially parents, often ask me, how do I start this conversation with my kids? And I always say, you start it from the beginning. You teach the correct history of this country about African-American contribution. And if you are a religious person, why don't you take the depiction of Jesus that's in your home and have it look more like what the real Jesus would have looked like. And then that's, you can start the conversation with your kids from there because your kid will say, who is that? And you'll say, that is Jesus. And perhaps they've seen other depictions of Jesus and they will say, well, that doesn't look like the Jesus that we've seen before, or they will have never seen a depiction of Jesus before. And then they won't think that Jesus is some white surfer looking dude. And then they'll realize that Jesus is a brown person and that the whole America is not built around the white iconography of a white starting with a white Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I mean, it doesn't matter, but it does because- yeah somehow we've created Jesus to be this white guy and he's not. It's just right. right. I mean, and Jesus also identified so well with people who were oppressed and, and, and white people aren't oppressed in this country, at least, you know, they might perceive that they are, but Jesus would have, Jesus also takes the form of people uh, who are oppressed and is with them and fully with them. So, so, so I I do have two more questions. uh, Yeah, go for it. It is that I am uh, in the process of adopting two amazing daughters. Uh, they lived uh, with uh, two foster moms, a lesbian couple. And one of the funny things is I was on my way here. I was telling them bye. And, and one of them said, yes, ma'am, to me, uh, because she'd never had someone to say yes, sir, to. And it was kind of funny. But, but it leads me to a point that, that kids are growing up in our country now 
in a world that is that is amazingly more diverse, amazingly more equitable in some ways and not in others, but they're at least asking the questions and realizing that some things don't matter as much as maybe I thought or maybe people before me thought. Um, you know, when you look forward to your life uh, with Tim and, you know, all this stuff ahead, and if you have children and indeed the children in your life, um, what do you want them to see uh, by the time you're to retirement or by the time you're get, heading off the, the public stage? What do you want to have seen in that short time uh, or not so short time? We want to keep you on stage for a long time. But you get what I'm saying. What do you what want, do I want to have seen? Do you mean changes in the world or? Yeah, yeah, I mean, what would make this world more equitable? You know, what are the concrete like ideas that you would like to see enacted to help us get to a place where our children can be confident in the future and not questioning our choices. Well, I, I, I think I would like to see us not separated. And I think I would like to see people uh, not feel so aggrieved um, by the idea of learning about their fellow countrymen. And I would like to see us uh, uh, dealing with the same thing that we talked about before. On Sunday morning, I would like to see us not separated by pews. But uh, I think that sometimes the real worshiping and the real understanding of each other comes after that when we start to congregate um, with people at their homes or in the ballpark or any of those things. I would like to see us to become a real integrated um, society where we love and care about each other and stop pointing out each other's differences. And I, and I don't mean by talking about that, the issue, I mean by living that way. If you don't have a black friend and you're white, then you're doing it wrong. If you don't have a black, uh, a white friend and you're black, you're doing it wrong. If you don't have a Latino friend and vice versa, you're doing it wrong. And so I would like to see um, a true America where all people uh, get along and get together and that where we can have these conversations and it doesn't cause people to be become so outraged because someone may think that they're racist or any of those things. I just want us to be um, better people to each other. The, the, the most compelling uh, part of your book for me uh, was was the chapter, my Lord, what a morning. And you talked about how people are remembered and you talk about the black experience and remembering through that lens. So, so before we close, I, I want to ask you, when your time is committed to the history books, when it's past Don Lemon's time, what do you want it to be said of you? How do you want to be remembered in, in your legacy, in your life? Don Lemon was a... Um. A revolutionary um, and carefree and Don Lemon didn't give a hoot what anybody thought about him that I was a truth teller and um, you may not always agree with him but he certainly got you to thinking and that's really and to talking and that's really the very beginning that's where change starts so uh, a revolutionary and a change maker. Don Lemon, you were an amazing soul. Uh, this book, uh, this is the fire. I think everybody needs to check out. And I want to thank you for coming on Beloved Journal today. Thank you. Let me give you the direct quote that I think will yes. help all of us, especially when you talk about your theologian. And James Baldwin wrote, and he wrote in the fire next time. He said, if the concept of God has any validity or any use, it can only be to make us larger, freer, and more loving. If God cannot do this, then it is time we got rid of him. There we go. That's the gospel truth. <laughs> so, Don Lemon, thank you so much. Thank you, Rob. I'll right. see you soon. I'll see you on the show soon. Keep 
Beloved Journal is produced by Stephanie Lee and hosted by Rob Lee. Our theme music is by Mipso, the best band in the world. Connect with us on BelovedJournal.com, and if you like what you heard, tell someone about it.